0: So we're now going to have a reading from the greatest book in the world ever about the greatest story in the world ever. And for those of you using the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1025. And we're looking at the book of Luke, starting at chapter at verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord.
1: One of the great things about the Christmas journey, which we've just seen in a clip there, is that um, various members of, the fa- of this church family dressed up in costumes and took the roles of people involved, and animals also, involved in the Christmas story. And various people commented, teachers, adults who came with the children, said, you know, it gives us a whole new perspective on the Christmas story when we hear it told by people in the first person. Well, I myself played Gabriel more than 30 times over the three days. And during that time, I started thinking... What must it have been like for the angels to see Jesus come into the world? And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to use your imaginations as I return to my role as Gabriel, minus the wings, minus the costumes, just me, so you have to imagine. But before I do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, once again we ask you to open our hearts and our minds and to As we hear Gabriel's story, that you will give us a fresh perspective, a deeper understanding of what you did when you sent your son Jesus into the world, and to help us grow in our love for him. We ask it in his name. Amen. Well, hello. My name is Gabriel, and I'm thrilled to be here with you this morning. I'm so happy. This place feels strangely familiar to me somehow. I think that's probably because every time you folks come together to worship the Lord, some of us angels are here too. In fact, we you know we hang around you a lot more than you think. Well, I've, my greatest joy, even greater than being here, is to stand in the presence of God all the time and to see the love that flows between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and how that love overflows to all of us angels and humans alike but what I've been sent here to tell you this morning is that your experience of God your love for God your relationship to him can be even deeper and greater than even what we angels can aspire to does that surprise you? well let me explain The Lord God created three orders of sentient beings. He created the animals and all those thousands and countless living creatures that have bodies but no souls. He created the angels that have souls and no bodies. And then He created all of you who have a, who are a wonderful mixture of body and soul all intertwined in a most marvelous way that never ceases to amaze us angels. And as we look at you, we, we sort of, sometimes we're very sad that m- more of you, so many of you, actually neglect your soul and don't even think about it. And you think of yourselves, maybe some of you even think of yourselves as highly evolved animals. Uh, well, when you do that, and if you think that everything that's inside you, all that love and that longing, is nothing but some mental uh, chemical process in your brain, well, you're missing out on one of the great wonders, the greatest wonder, perhaps, of God's creation that he made you with both body and soul. But I'm getting very carried away by this, so let me get back to my story. Although there are lots of us angels, in fact, more angels than you can count, only two of us are actually named in the Bible. One is my good friend and companion, the archangel Michael, and the other one is me, Gabriel, Gabriel. And I'm the one who was privileged and to be chosen by God as a special messenger, not on one occasion, but on three separate occasions. The first time I was sent to the prophet Daniel. Now he'd been sent, uh, he'd given a prophecy that he didn't understand, and quite frankly, most of you still don't understand it. But I was sent to help him make some sense of it, and I'll never forget the reception he gave me when he saw me. He was devastated. He fell on the ground and lay there trembling and and, and just completely jellified. And, uh, well, my second visit, my second assignment, by the way, it took Daniel days to recover. My second assignment was to a priest called Zechariah. Now, he was a priest in the temple, and I was sent to him to announce the birth of John the Baptist, Now, he too was absolutely terrified when he saw me. In fact, I, when I told, I even told him, look, I brought you a message from God, but he wouldn't believe me. Well, we can't have God's ministers running around, you know, speaking unbelief. So we struck him dumb. And so he lost his voice until the baby boy was born. And then he used his voice to praise and glorify God. Well, I can tell you those first two missions really left me a bit shaken. So when I was called in for my third assignment, which was to visit a young teenage girl, I thought, oh, they must be joking. I even said to them, look, thinking of my previous experiences, you you know, this can't be, you've got the wrong angel. But they just went on. They said, there is a young woman, they said, and we want you to deliver this message to her. It's the most important announcement that we have ever made, and the future of the world depends on it. Well, when I heard the message, it was I who was speechless. I mean, I couldn't believe it. In fact, if you had seen God, if you'd seen Jesus in his glory the way I have, if you'd knew him the way I do, you would have been speechless too. Anyhow, I took down the the information and off I went, not to a palace, not to a temple, not to a princess, not to the daughter of a priest, but to a peasant girl living in a despised down-in-the-heel community called Nazareth. Why she was chosen, I cannot tell you. All I know is that God's choices are as inscrutable as they are glorious. Well, obviously I didn't want to frighten the girl when I arrived, so I practiced my, my gentlest and friendliest, warmest greeting. And so when I arrived there, I said, Mary, you are greatly favored by God. You're honored and greatly favored by him. And as she looked at me and I looked at her, I don't know which one of us was more confused. Anyhow, I waited for a response And I went on, and I said, Mary, uh, you have been... Well, actually, I sensed something. I must tell you this. I sensed that this was a girl who had a deep personal faith in God. So I I was encouraged to go on, and I said, Mary, you have been chosen by God to be the mother of his one and only son. You will have a baby, and you will name him Jesus, and he will inherit the throne of his ancestor David and he will rule the kingdom of God and his kingdom will last forever and I could see that she was actually quite disturbed and I, I could see in her face and I said well Mary don't be afraid yeah, and it struck me, two things struck me the first was that whenever God turns up in someone's life or sends you one of his angels it, you expect the worst don't you You think, well, you know, this must be bad news. And I think that's because you all have something to hide. You all have sins that you don't want God to see. Well, well, this girl, I just said, don't be afraid, Mary. God has given you this wonderful message. So I waited to see what her response would be. And I waited, and heaven stood still. In fact, time stood still, like it does in eternity. And then she spoke, and she said, well, how is this to be since... I'm a virgin. And then it struck me that she wasn't getting my message. She didn't understand what I was saying. She was thinking of her marriage to Joseph and how one day they would have a baby boy and that bo- baby boy would be, become a king and become very great. So I tried to explain. And I tell you, it's not easy to put into words the greatest mystery that your world or ours has ever seen. In fact, I can, I couldn't even imagine, I myself can still hardly believe that he who is the light and life of heaven could be born into this world as a helpless human babe. But anyhow, I I did my best to try and put it into words and I said, Mary, um, the, the Spirit of God will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will have this Baby, and you will call him Jesus, and you will know that he is the Son of God by the way that he is born. And then I waited. I held my breath. In fact, angels don't have breath, but it's a way of speaking. So I waited for her response, and it seemed an age. And I knew that Mary had a choice. I, you know, God has a way of drawing people to Himself, but He never imposes and forces his will on you. That was true for Mary. It's true for you when you are confronted with the will of God. So I waited. And then she spoke. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be done to me as you have said. So, nine months later, Jesus was born. And I tell you, all we angels turned up in heaven to rejoice and we announced the good news. We're so happy. And We were amazed at his life. We looked down on him, and he was everything, everything that a human being was ever meant to be. And we used to talk to each other. We were amazed. We said, look, imagine, imagine, we said, if every man and woman and child in this world could be like him. What would their world be like? And we watched his life, and, you know, he brought more good into this world than any other human being that ever lived. And that, 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 that's why we couldn't believe what happened next. Do you know what happened next? You crucified him. And we watched as he was you know, bound and scourged and led away. And we, we waited for him to ask us to help him. To, but he, he was silent. He didn't ask us for anything. And then he was nailed to a cross. And we begged the Father, we said, Lord, Father, let us go down and rescue him. But he held us back. You know, I can never get over the, the patience that God has with human sinners. Anyhow, we knew that something amazing, we thought, this must be, this is the moment of God's judgment. This is the, the day of reckoning. Today is the day that all of you will be judged for your sins. But then nothing happened. Jesus died. And it dawned on us what God was doing. Jesus was being judged for your sins. He took the punishment and the judgment for your sins. He absorbed in your sins in his own body. And when we saw him hanging there on the cross, we knew that he was the living sacrifice for your sins. Well, the world went dark and silent and the next thing that happened is, well, we had, there were some strange events. Three days passed and then suddenly Jesus came to life again. He'd been put, his corpse had been put in a tomb, a sealed tomb and it came back to life. He came, his human body came back to life Specially adapted for eternity. Some women came to the graveside looking for the body. But one of my colleagues had gone ahead and he sat there by the grave and he said, Look, you mustn't look for the living among the dead. And then Jesus appeared to his disciples and to hundreds of other people for many days. We had expected his soul to come back to heaven, to us, where he, where he belonged. But if he'd done that, he would have actually betrayed his human nature, and that, that would have been of no value to you. It would have been of no help to you. So Jesus' body appeared over and over again here on earth, and finally he rose up to heaven. And I can't tell you the joy that we had when we received him. The joy. But you know, your joy should be even greater. Because Jesus did not die for angels. He didn't come down in the form of an angel. He died for you, human beings. He died so that you could share his, his resurrection life one day. And so we, that was the end of that episode. And you know, we, when we think about it, we say, you know, you have a, somebody in heaven, a person in heaven, not a spirit, you've got a person in heaven who, sta- who is at the right hand of the Father, who knows you in his body as you know him in yours. And that's why I say that you, there's something about you that is so wonderful that you share his very being, and he is there in heaven for you. And he is your savior, and he's your Lord, and he's your hope. Anyhow, these days all the talk up here in heaven is about his second coming. That's the day when those of you who've put your trust in him will meet him in the air. And I'll be there too, you know, along with Mary and all the saints and all the other angels. But, you know, you'll be so much more interested in him. Anyhow, that's more or less the end of my story. I just have two more quick things to say, and then I really must fly. The first is that there are things that you know that are hidden from us angels. And there are things that we angels know that are hidden from you human beings. We can never know what it is to... We haven't suffered your great tragedy, so we don't know what it is to have to have sinned and to be forgiven our sins and to be reconciled with God. And we can't know what it is like to share the body of Jesus, to share his humanity, and to have his Holy Spirit living in us. And then there are certain things that you don't know, that we know. You have no conception of either heaven or hell. No idea what what they're like. You have no idea. Well, I've seen them both. And I know what they look like. And you cannot imagine either what Jesus has saved you from or what he has saved you for. You have no idea. All I can say is that we see men and women getting lost all the time. Every day, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and every day we see men and women being lost, and we rejoice. There's rejoicing among us angels every time one of you turns to him or turns back to him. You know, he is the most, uh, it's the most amazing thing to share the life of God. And you can take my word for it, that if you put your trust in him, you will never be disappointed. If you follow him, you will never get lost. And if you live your life for him, he will show you the purpose for which you were created. Well, that's my story, and um, it only remains for me now, on behalf of all the other angels, to wish you a very joyful Christmas. He is my joy on this Christmas and every day. Will he be your joy too? That's why I say, May you and all those you love have a joyful Christmas.